0: Those entering the workforce today face radically different challenges to the generations that came before them. From automation to globalisation, plus the emergence of a new flexible economy, there's no doubt young Australians are entering a new world of work. I'm Hamish Coots, and you're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by SEEK. The Foundation for Young Australians is keenly focused on these issues, and has delved into research on this new work order. We spoke to CEO Jan Owen at the 2019 World Employment Conference on the Gold Coast about the key areas that will have the greatest impact on Australians aged 18 to 25. So looking at your most recent set of reports, what are some of the challenges that the young people are facing when they're entering the workforce?
1: So our most recent reports picked up some really significant themes. So number one, more than 50% of young people in Australia are taking much, much longer to transition. So even though they followed the playbook, they went to school, more school, more school, more school, called university and TAFE and everything, they still are taking 2.6 years to get into a field for which they've studied and spent time and energy. So we really wanted to find out how could you um, accelerate that? How could you halve or you know, really smash that 2.6 years? And so there were four really big themes that came out of our research about how you could do that. Number one is, I guess, privileging this new skill set that we keep talking about. The kind of digital skills, collaborative skills, innovation skills, creativity, problem solving, One of the skills that came up, which was an absolute outlier, Hamish, was bilingual skills, which actually found out to be a proxy for kind of cultural intelligence and diversity. Could you work in diverse environments? Could you work in contexts around the world where you may never see or meet the people except through Zoom or, you know, Google Hangouts or wherever? That is actually a new competency in the new world of work. So if people could access those skills, if they could demonstrate them Mm -hmm. to employers, that would get them faster to work alongside their technical skills, whatever they might be. The second theme that really came up through the research was this idea that is very, very important now for employers to get alongside young people about, and that was 5,000 hours of paid work. So, if between 15 and 25, you've got 5,000 hours, it's like 10 hours a week. If you got 5,000 hours of paid work, it would absolutely transform. You would get to work 12 months faster than if you didn't. So that experience of hands-on in the workforce, but doing it year on year, week on week, actually is kind of future-proofing you. The third area that we found in our research was also about not not needing to decide on this one job, right? So we looked at 12 million jobs in Australia and we found that jobs were clustered if you looked at skills and capabilities rather than job titles. And so the clustering model, which has now been adopted in New Zealand, is from our work here in Australia, from FYA, now says, you know what, number one, there's three big growth areas, tech, uh, the informers, you know, knowledge transfer, your business and then there's also that massive industry that's going to go off the charts in an OECD country of caring aged care, personal care, health and well-being so those three areas in Australia are absolutely ripe for growth what we don't have though is actually any knowledge of what the 500 new jobs will be. But what we do know is what the skills and capabilities are. And we also know if you look at a cluster, how you might transition from one to the other. So again, you future proof yourself by not being locked in one kind of job, but by thinking about what are the skills and capabilities that are transferable in this cluster. And so in the informers cluster, which has got a, a huge range of jobs and people in different jobs, what we found is if there were more than 50 common skills and capabilities, you could access up to 13 different jobs
0: okay, without
1: yeah. having to retrain, wow. without having to go and get another degree. And our underemployment in Australia is full of young people with two degrees, a master's, etc. So that insight was really important. And then the fourth and last insight was about actually kind of mindset. So that whole idea that our perception is that we have a generation of young people who want autonomy, mm-hmm. They want meaning and purpose, and that comes up all the time in every context in every industry. And but they also want mastery. They're very keen to learn new skills and build their whether it's a digital stack or whatever the stack is. That mastery in terms of technical is still huge, but that is married with meaning and purpose and autonomy. Yeah, okay. And that, to me, sort of speaks to a kind of a opt, an optimistic outlook. Like what you hear. Tune into more talent talks by hitting the subscribe or follow button in your favourite podcast app. Just search Seek Talent Talks.
0: What are the skills that will help prepare the younger generation for the future of work?
1: Yeah, so as we said, I guess we've focused a lot on these um, transferable yep. skills, so um, and you know they used to be called soft skills kind of, you know, when I grew up, they're like, nice to have, so yes. they're like, oh, if you've got time, don't forget <laughs> yeah. to learn how to speak, yeah. Yeah. you know, whereas now, if you now, work in a we'd... team, that would be lovely. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. but only if you've, you know, yeah. only if you've got time, whereas we have employers, you know, we are an engineering company come to us and say, we've got all these engineering grads, they are brilliant technically, but they can't talk and they can't collaborate and they certainly can't pitch or present and so can you work with us because we actually can't put them to work until they can do all these things. I find it very interesting that at TAFE New South Wales this year the largest number of new graduates are people who've got degrees already who are coming back to kind of get the practical skills and capabilities of that degree. So whether it's the skills of communication, collaboration, innovation, kind of working in an agile way, or whether it's like the practical implementation of the skills that I, that I supposedly have from a degree, on both of these sides we've actually got a huge gap, I think which is bigger than the 2.6 years in a way, but actually that's what's going on in that 2.6 years, which is I don't know how to apply what I've learnt.
0: What about in terms of automation and how that's impacting roles for young Australians as well? Are, Are young people learning the right skills to prepare them for that change to the workforce?
1: Well, this is a really big discussion, right? So automation, you know, I always think about, you know, when we first started writing these reports, which is only five years ago, we were still playing what I call Russian roulette with jobs, right? You would see jobs listed. And you'd say, these jobs are in, these jobs are out. Five years on, only five years on, it's like, oh, the smartphone. We've got smart around jobs and we're saying, actually, every single job is going to be disrupted. Every single job's going to be disrupted by automation, So nobody is safe. There's no Russian roulette with jobs. Every job is going to be disrupted. So I think that is the real focus, is how do you keep up in a context where every job is disrupted, where you're going to be expected to spend 30% of your time learning on the job. And I actually think young people will be very, very, very adaptive in that environment. I'm more interested in what employers are going to do in that environment. Like, that's a different agreement that's, that's actually a different partnership like yes you're, we're going to let you spend 30% of your time every week learning on the job is a huge new partnership agreement between employer and employee
0: I was about to touch on flexibility so let's go there what does this actually mean now
1: We've had it pegged as a kind of particular thing. So, number one, flexibility, I suppose, in the past has been, um, again, as I said, you know, have, have you got your systems and regulations and policies in place to allow people to have flexible work, like parental leave and so on. But actually now what we're seeing is obviously the gig economy is... Um, Growing, It's not growing as fast as people think it is, it's still a very small part of the economy but actually um, I read some data yesterday which I found astounding, in the UK only 1 in 40 jobs in the UK in the last 10 years that have been created is a full time job. So that's why for us flexibility is a very, very, very um, significant kind of continuum and we're gonna move up and down and in and out of it. And that is completely different. If there's one generational change, it's that. Because most of young people and Gen Z's parents and grandparents today, you know, did or have had sort of mostly one or two or three gigs, jobs, actual jobs. So now we're in this environment where it's actually much more diversity. We're not set up for that from a policy perspective in Australia. We're not set up... If you go to a bank and say, here's my 10, 2 gigs, 3 part-time jobs, they'll say, thank you for sharing and kind of show you the door. Yeah,
0: good luck buying a house.
1: So you can't get it. Yeah. None of that is accessible. So there is massive implications for this change in how we're going to work that we need to, as a country, support and put scaffolding
0: yeah. around. I read as well... A lot of 25-year-olds that you surveyed actually feel quite financially vulnerable as well. I'm wondering, almost from a social impact, what would that be having on them? Because traditionally, if you go back, 25-year-olds, we're kind of advanced now and we're almost looking about buying property and starting to settle down, but that's not the case now, is it?
1: No, no. I mean, I think it's quite devastating. I mean, one in three young people are underemployed. Remember the new group, not the old group. of This is the highly qualified, underemployed young person. I think the issue is here's two pieces of impact on that. One is on the economy, so we're we're losing four point five billion dollars a year into the economy of that group not working. So that's just into Australia, but The cost to them, lost wages, mental health, is like tenfold. It's like $100 million. So it's very, very, very serious, the cost to them personally, not being able to get into the marketplace, not being able to get a house, not being able to get kind of their life as they would have perceived it kind of set up in security. And not that they want that one job, because, you know, when you say the ladder or the jungle gym, they'll always go to the jungle gym, but enough security to say, I can do the things I want to do, and including if I want to get a house. So I think that's really, there is an absolute direct cost to them. There will be a direct knock-on effect to things like super, because if you don't start collecting super at a certain age, you're going to have much less later, so that's going to be a cost back to government. So there are huge incentives, GDP, cost to individuals, that should mean that we are all over this. We should be crawling all over this every day to say, how do we get 650000 Young people into work in this country. So
0: on that point my next question then is our government are they crawling all over this are they are they really giving it the time that this needs?
1: I don't think so I mean I think there is an absolute increasing knowledge and awareness about skills and jobs so yes there is some scaffolding but is there a different a rethink about what should we be educating children within school what is the new role of the university? What is the role of ongoing learning? So remember, 30% of learning, what's the new relationship between an educational institution, employer and employee? Um, What is the scaffolding that we're putting around young people to enable them to go to the next step in their lives as well as their careers as we would want? There are so many questions that are not answered in this. How have apprenticeships crashed? And so what are the multiple pathways that we could be providing to young people to get them into work We've got really binary systems at the moment um, that aren't serving young people. So
0: if we look at employers, what can they do to support that that next generation of young Australians finding their way into the workforce?
1: Well, I think that last point about pathways. So what we, you know, our research showed really, really, really clearly, if you had 5,000 hours across age 15 to 25, it could be packaged in internships or, or apprenticeships, or it could be your volunteer work, or it could be paid work at... KFC, we don't mind, but it's got to be packaged. It's got to be understood that this is part of learning, not something extra and strange that you're doing. And employers could absolutely pledge, and I mean like literally pledge, to get the 5,000 hours campaign going. You know, they could say, we're going to provide 5,000 hours for these 100 young people in our region for the next 10 years. And commit, they could commit to that. That's one thing. The other thing that we're asking employers to do is start thinking more about these skills and capabilities. So get away from kind of, I need that set. Because this is actually a disservice to their future business, That to say, I need that narrow skill set to fill that job and we just had a talk about that in the session that I ran and they're saying you know I talked about um how Siemens you know one of the big global companies said to me Jan we are absolutely recruiting for mindset and we will train for skills we're recruiting for mindset now we're going out and just recruiting we we can do all the training we don't even need universities we've got our own university (laughs) so we but we're recruiting for mindset And also we're recruiting now for diversity. We've done work at with a whole heap of companies and because we have a very diverse workforce and access to very diverse young people from very varied backgrounds and lived experiences, everyone wants that. They know they have to have a workforce that more adequately represents their customer and is not kind of at odds with their customer.
0: Yeah. I think you've answered this, but but, but I'll I'll go back there around career development. Is, Is there enough focus on career development is it where it needs to be, or are we are we getting stuck behind?
1: So we started working with uh, institution or education institutions on micro credentialing. So one of the biggest shifts is going to be. Uh, and our job clusters work showed this, that instead of starting again, if you could work out a path that was micro-credentialed, you could go from one job with your qualifications that you have and just upskill or retrain to a job in that cluster. And that's a really, A, it's more cost-effective, it's faster, um, and it's gonna be probably more pertinent in terms of what the actual needs are of an employer.
0: And no doubt opens up a lot more possibilities. Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: So, but that's career management and navigation at a quite high level. And so I think it's going to be super interesting again. What are the partnerships that employers, it's going to be the best offering to employees is going to be an employer who says, actually, you know, it's not about you staying here forever. In fact, we know that's not going to happen so what we want to do is build your capability while you're here and get the best skills and capabilities so that you're able to apply them here but we want to help you navigate your way forward and i have always done that because the boomerang factor which is very real in australia you know we are the island the last train stop in the world Uh, that boomerang factor of people coming back to their old employers at different stages is very real in this country so if you do that people are gonna come back to you. By the way, if you're the education partner who helps somebody do that, they're gonna come back to you. If you're the recruiter who decides to help that, they're gonna come back to you. So there are many, many benefits of actually doing this well and to really, really supporting people and the talent in this country, because that's what we have. We, you know, we have flogged stuff out of the ground and sold it for a very long time, and now we're into the next phase. And our next phase is our people, our knowledge, our talent. So let's go for it. It's, we've got brilliant talent, knowledge and people. Let's, let's capitalise on that.
0: That was Jan Owen, CEO of the Foundation for Young Australians. For more Talent Talks episodes, subscribe or follow Seek Talent Talks in your favourite podcast app.